Mayed everyone, dedicate the class of Lila Nishmas, Dov Nachman, and Amosha, and Fushlema, Perovas Miriam. So we are up to 52a, the second chapter in Kiddushin, Toshma, the end of the fourth line from the top. The mother says, let me bring you a proof, this argument of Abaya Rava. By the way, this is one of the exceptions where the law follows Abaya. Yal Kagam, Kedushi. So in Nimsir Libya, if you can't consummate, even though you can't consummate the marriage, it is a good Kedushin. But Rava argues, Rava says it's not. If the Kedushin is what causes the prohibition, because of the Kedushin, you cannot consummate the marriage. It's a contradiction in terms. The contradi- How could it be a Kedushin if the whole purpose of the Kedushin is that you should be able to consummate it, you should, should consummate it. So then the whole Kedushin is invalid. So Toshma, I'll bring you a proof. So proof to refute the Rabbi's opinion. The Tani interview me, interview me, learn. Lozech Hamisha Bonnet. Lozech is two people who want to do a Shidduch with each other. One has five sons, the other one has five daughters. And the father of the son says to the father of the daughters, One of your daughters is Meshudach, one of my sons. Mekudash is betrothed. So he gave him money, he gave the father of the daughters money. He says, one of my sons is betrothed to one of your daughters. But he didn't spell out which one, he didn't specify. Every one of them has to get five gittin from the, every one of, every one of the daughters has to get five gittin from the five brothers, from each of the brothers. Because I don't know who is the husband, I don't know which, and you can't just marry off one of them. Because maybe it's the sister of the one that's married to him. Maybe he's the one that's married, one of the brothers, and he's married to one of the sisters. You're not allowed to be intimate with the sister of your wife, your wife's sister, your sister-in-law. So you have no choice. They are considered betrothed, out of doubt, and each one of them has to receive a get, a divorce, from each of the five brothers. What if Mesechad man, what if one of the brothers dies before he gives a get, so maybe one of the sisters is his wife, and and one of and one of them has to marry his brother, has to continue the marriage, a levirate marriage. But he can't. Why can't you? Every one of them has to receive a get for gitin. And a chalitza of one of them. Only need one of them. A chalitza only one of them. Because the surviving brothers, one of the surviving brothers has to do a chalitza. Then he exempts, that's all. All you need is one of them to do a chalitza. So one of the brothers give her a chalitza. So every one of the daughters has to receive a divorce from each of the brothers, each of the surviving brothers, the four surviving brothers. And one of the brothers has to give a chalitza. One of the brothers give a chalitza to each of the four daughters. Well, you know, to Yibum because what do you? What do I not? If one of them is actual wife, then five, and if not, then then then, then she's a stranger. What's the problem? No, 
because you're marrying a sister of a Zukukase, a sister well, yeah. of someone who's connected. So rabbinically, that would be yeah, prohibited. Yeah, right, so that's why you get four divorces and one chalitza. The question is, so you see clearly, why do you need a get? Since you don't know which one, they didn't specify, so you can't consummate the marriage, you're not allowed to live with any of them, so the whole condition should be invalid according to Rav. And Mechitim, if you want to answer the way they answered all the previous questions, when they, when the father of the sons said to the father of the daughter, they knew which one, but later on they forgot. You can't say that. Why? Because it says clearly in the Braiza, initially, that's what he did not specify. He said, one of my sons is married to one of your daughters. So they didn't know from, from, the, from the get-go, they didn't know. And nevertheless, you need Gittin, and you need a Chalitza. So he pro- clearly proves a bias point that even a Kiddush, that cannot be consummated because of the Kiddushin. It doesn't matter. It's still a valid Kiddushin. The mother says, Yufta, the Rav, the Yufta. This refused, this Braitha refused the Rav's opinion. And the Hilchas a Kavoset Abayin. Lofalza Abayin, the Yal Kagam. This is the Kuf of the Yal Kagam. The Kuf is Kiddushin, Shalinim Sirel So in general, the rule always follows the Rav. But these are the six exceptions where the law follows. And this is one of the six, the Kuf, Kiddushan Shalinim Tzidlabiyya. The Yud is Yir Shalom Midas. Right, so the other five, the Kuf is the Kiddushan Shalinim Tzidlabiyya. The other five is Yir Shalom Midas. Abaya says that if you're not aware that you lost something, even though had you been aware, you certainly would give up hope. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's not considered a Yir, Abaya holds, and the law, law follows Abaya, not like the Rav. The other argument is Edim Zaymamin. Adim who were disqualified because other witnesses come and say you could not testify. We're not arguing with your testimony. Maybe what you're saying is true. Maybe it did happen. It didn't happen. We don't know, but you can either know because you weren't present. So, so the question is, at what point, what point do they become disqualified? From the moment the witnesses come forth, or retroactively to the time of their testimony? That from that time on, since retroactively they turn out to be liars, so anything they testified afterwards is um, is not considered um, is not uh, their, their 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 testimony is disqualified. Law follows Abaya that it's retroactive. It's not only from that point on. The Lamed is a lechi, a sta- by, by a side post happens to be standing at the entrance of the Mavi, if you didn't put it up or not, if it can allow you to, be, to carry it on Shabbos. So Abaya says that, he, that if, it was, if it was stood up on itself, you didn't the post, post to permit you to carry in the alleyway. So um, even though you didn't put it up yourself, it was put up by itself, by itself you found it there, it's, uh, it's, it's kosher, it's legal, you're allowed to use it to carry on Shabbos, that's the only remaining post. So we have the Yush, we have the Eid Zaymem Mafreya, and then we have the Lechi, and then we have the Kuf. The Kuf is the, what we just learned, Kiddushin Shalinim Surah the law follows Abaya, it's not, it is a valid Kiddushin. And the, the Ayin was the Eid Zaymem Mafreya. According to Rabbah, the whole Eid Zaymem is a Kiddush, it's like Xerus HaKasav, it makes no sense. You know, if, a, if two witnesses testify, and then someone comes and they testify that someone murdered someone. And then the victim walks into court. They don't have a din of Eid Zayman. Obviously, they're liars. They don't have a din of Eid Zayman. 
if two witnesses come and testify that you were with us, you couldn't testify, we believe them and we punish them severely. Whatever they try to do to others, we do to them. The whole thing is a novelty. So it's enough that from the moment the witnesses come, we disqualify them. Qualify them from when they testified. Any testimony they gave from the moment they testified, to say retroactively, we establish that they're liars, we can't say that. That's a rubber's opinion. But the law follows Abaya. No, we say retroactively that from when they testified, they're, they're, they're false witnesses and they are disqualified. So we have the Yush, we have the Eid Zemim Mafreya, we have the Lechi Yemen Me'ela, we have the Kedushim of Nimsir and then we have the Gimel. The Gimel is what we learned in Gitin, the last tractate. Right. So, and the other is Gilui Das Bemilsa, Gilui Daita Begita. A person makes agents to deliver a get. And then she, they couldn't deliver it. She didn't want to accept it. She said, come back tomorrow. When the husband heard it, he says, ah, oh, thank God. So Abayah says, he said, thank God. It means he's happy, he's relieved that, 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 that she didn't receive the divorce. It's not divorce. So then, therefore, they can no longer give it to him. He, doesn't, he takes back, he retracts the divorce. Rabbi says, no, unless he clearly nullifies nullifies the, the shlichas unless it clearly just by revealing and saying we can deduct oh he's happy that's satisfied no they're still empowered to give the divorce the next day so in this case the law follows Abaya that Gilidaz Begitin is is uh, is effective is valid and therefore they can't give the divorce and the last thing is is the Mem Mumer last one Mumer Mumer there's a witness. What disqualifies a witness from being a witness? If he eats it, because he uh, he enjoys he enjoys it, so for surely he's a disqualified witness. Why? Because non-kosher food is someone eats non-kosher. So if he eats non-kosher because it's cheaper, kosher food is very expensive. So in other words, he doesn't care for money. He'll he'll violate the Torah. So how, do, how can I trust his testimony? Maybe the guy paid him money, and and and, and therefore he's paid to, to, to testify. I can't trust him. But if someone eats it in spite, Rava says that doesn't disqualify him. It's not doing it for money. He's in principle, in spite. He doesn't believe. But he'll tell the truth in court. Doesn't mean he can be a humanist. He can be telling the truth. He won't hurt another person. You can't bribe him. And the bias says, no, he's a Russia. What do you mean? He goes against Hashem. He's a Russia. I can't trust him. <laughs> so even though he seems a humanist, secular humanist and upright, and, and uh, of course I'll never lie. I don't believe in religion, but I'll never lie. You know, you don't trust him. He's not a kosher and the law follows Abaya. Okay, so these are the six exceptions. Right, right, right. points out the, 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 the Gemara only says this in three places. Yalka uh, spells it out. So the other places... We can, we're flexible to learn what it means. Like there's a whole argument, it's not simple what the Lamed, what the Lamed stands for. Because the Gemara doesn't spell out in this case, you know, so the Gemara just says Yal Kagam. Yeah. Six exceptions. Yeah, okay. Learn In the mission includes it was an episode with five women. And a person gathered a basket full of figs from their field, but it was Shviyas. So therefore it was ownerless, and he acquired it, and he, he, he hands him the basket full of figs, and he says, one of you, I'm, I'm, I'm betrothing one of you with these figs. You, you all betrothed me with these figs. And one of them accepted it for all the others. We learn from our Mishnah Arba, four laws. But the Rav only knew of three. 
He didn't understand what the fourth one was. He couldn't say clearly what the fourth one was. What are the laws? Shmami, now we learn from Yamakadish If I take, if I harvest fruits, sabbatical, sabbatical year that are ownerless, and once I take it, it becomes mine, I can I can betroth a woman with it, because I'm giving her something of value that belongs to me. You can't say no, the Torah only gives you permission to eat from it. It doesn't become yours. No, it becomes mine. Yeah. The second thing I learned from here, you can't be troll with stolen money. Even if you stole it from the woman. And I'm returning it to you. I'm returning your object. Oh, I'm doing you a favor. I stole it. I could have kept it. I'm returning it to you. She's very happy she got her money back. No, but you're not betrothed because it belongs to her. It's not yours. It has to belong to you. That's why he has to point out that even though he, he, he betrothed them with their figs that he harvested without their permission, he's saying, no, he had permission. It was Shviyas and it became his and therefore he betrothed them with his money. How do we know this from the Tani? It says, now Mishnah Shalein So the time and the reason is the Shviyas. Right. Exactly. The Hefkeru. It's Shviyas. It's ownerless. It wasn't stolen. But if, if it would have been the other six years of the sabbatical, you would have stolen the fruits and returned it to them, they would not be betrothed. Okay? A third halacha, Shmamina, we also learn from here. A woman could become an agent for all her, for, for a friend, for, for a fellow woman. Of course, that we know for sure. Why not? A man could be a shliach, a woman could be a shliach. That goes without saying. But the chiddush is, the novelty is, even though they're all going to become co-wives of each other. So you would think in such a case, it goes against his interest, her interest. She doesn't want a co-wife. She wants to be exclusive. So therefore, in this case, maybe she should not be able to be their agent also to make them into a co-wife. So you say, no, that she does. She could become a shliach, even in this, in this scenario. Even, even two things, it's two, it's two novelties. If one of the two sisters, two of the five are sisters, so if one of the sisters acts as an agent for her sister, right, so then he won't be able to live with her. She disqualifies herself, because then there's two sisters, and there's no kiddushin. Nevertheless, she does the shlichas of her sister. And for the other, the other women, that even though a co-wife can, can testify for each other, but in this case, since they, act, they asked her to be an agent, and she went ahead and she did, she did as she, they asked, therefore it's a good agent. And what's the fourth din? He said we learned four, four halachas from here. The mother says, That even though you can never count, this kiddushin caused them never to be able to consummate the marriage. So it's a contradiction to the whole kiddushin. Nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, it is a good kiddushin. That's the fourth halach. So why why does Rav have a doubt? Why Rav knew three of the four, but he couldn't figure out the fourth? Why not? But answer Rav wasn't sure if the Allah follows like a Baya, maybe the law follows a Rav. And maybe Kiddushin, such Kiddushin is not a good is not a good Kiddushin. And therefore you would interpret the Mishnah differently.
So Rava will learn, right, and it's talking about, they said, I betrothed the three of you, no, you and one, one of the sisters, sisters and one of the right sisters, and one of the right. sisters. Therefore, since I can't, them, since I can't, specify. I don't know which one. I didn't right. specify. I don't know which ones. I can't right. consummate it. So therefore, neither, neither the sisters are right. betrothed. So that's what that's what the Rav meant. Surely he understood these four laws to be learned from here. But the fourth one, he wasn't sure which law that you learn from here. The way Rav interprets it, you learn the law that uh, that uh, a kiddushin that you can't consummate. The kiddushin causes you that you can't consummate. The kiddushin is not a kiddushin. Or comes to teach you the exact opposite, like Abai interpreted the Mishnah is coming to teach you. That it was one of including the sisters, and therefore even even a kiddushin. He wasn't sure. No, even it's only he specified. He, he only specified. Right. right. So it's coming right. to teach me that one one of That's the that, that a marriage that could that yeah, cannot right. be consummated is a good kiddushin. Okay. Right. So there are four laws, but he wasn't clear what the fourth yeah. law one is. Okay. It's all the Zaid when Abzaid went up. From Babylonia to Israel, you're going up. You go to Hachisol, you're going up. Israel is higher than Babylonia. Mountainous. So he said this sugi for Rabbi Echenon. Amalei miyam Ravachi. Did Rav say this? What do you mean? Rabbi Echenon doesn't agree with Rav. What do you mean? He was surprised. How could Rav say that? I, I don't agree with this. Rabbi Echenon himself said, that Gozal in Siyashra Bailam, someone who steals an object, and the owner did not give up hope, you can sanctify it to, to, to the temple treasury, or to the temple. The thief, the robber, because it's not his, and the owner, because he doesn't have it, it's not his, it's been taken away, snatched from his, from his possessions, from his domain. So even Rabbi Yechlin agrees. Even Rabbi Yechonin agree that you can't you can't sanctify um, betrothed someone, a wife with something that doesn't belong to you. Wait, wait. If, if it's if it's something they're going to say figs. The other right. years, the other years, it's not shvius. It's not ownerless. You steal their figs and you give it to them. You can't betroth them with it. Rabbi Yechonin doesn't agree with them. You want a hachi kamala? This is Rabbi Yechonin. The Amr Rav Kavasi. Does Rav agree with me? He was happy. He wasn't like surprised. He was pleasantly surprised. Rav holds like me that he agrees with me. You can't betroth with money that doesn't belong to you. If he if he betrothed a woman with money that was stolen, or chamas. In other words, he paid for it, but he he grabbed it without willing. He forced the guy to sell it to him. A for sale. He grabbed it him and he paid him. He paid him fully, but he never wanted to sell it. It's a rear painting. I don't want to sell it. Well, he came to him with a gun. He said, you're selling it to me. He paid him full price, but he, he forced him to sell it. Oh, big neighbor, or he stole it stealthily. He stole it. Or he grabbed a, a dollar from her hand. The kitra, and then he returned the turns and betrothed her with it. Mukudashes. The Brai says clearly it is Mukudash. So he argues with the law of Rav and Rabbi Echenon. He says clearly it is Mukudash, even stolen. So he might answer, Hassan Begazal there is talking about it was he's returning. He's betrothing her with the money that was stolen from her. He's returning her object. Not only she's happy she got her goods back, but <laughs> the fact that she accepts the betrothal means she's saying, I forgive you for stealing it. 
So now it's, he's betrothing her with his money because the, the husband, the man, betrothed. has what is that kiddushin. A Jewish marriage, first you give her a ring, you give her something, you give her a ring, you give her something of value. And that creates the marriage. Mekudeshet, Kiddushin, you're married. With this ring I am betrothed. Then you take her home, the chuppah, you take her home, and you bring her home, and the yichud room, and the chuppah, and then you cohabitate, then you consummate the marriage. But the marriage begins with the Kiddushin, betrothal. You give the ring. That's the first part of the chuppah. You give the ring. In the olden days, it was a year apart. He used to give her a ring or something of value and say, Zariat Mukadeshatli, you are betrothed to me in front of two witnesses. And then she would go home to the parents to prepare for the wedding, a year preparation with jewelry and to prepare for the wedding. And then they would have the chuppah and then they would move in together and, and live as married husband and wife. But so the wait, wait. The, so what? She's considered fully fledged married. If she commits adultery, she loses her life. She gets executed. It's, a, it's adultery. She's married, but they're not living yet together. So today we do them both at the same time. Under the chuppah, we do both parts. We do the ring. You give her the, He gives her the ring and says, Mekudeshetli means you're betrothed to me. And then... You read the ketubah, and right afterwards you do the chuppah. And then they go into the yichud room. They're alone together for the first time. And then after the wedding, they go home, and they're fully, they're fully married. 100% married. So the question is, if he returns to her, stole her, her goods, he stole from her. He says, will you marry me with this I'm giving you? And she agrees. So what does it mean? The woman agrees. This is part of what has happened. No, I'm saying. Let's say it happens. Let's say. Let's say. Just theoretically, a person steals money. He stole a hundred dollars from her. He comes back. He says, "Here's the hundred dollars I stole from you. Will you marry me? I'm giving you something of value. Will you marry me?" The fact that she agrees, she says yes. What does that mean? That means I forgive you for stealing the money from me. So now it's your money, and now you're giving it to me, and I'm being betrothed with 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 your money. That's what, that's, what the, that's what the Braise seems to be saying, that it's okay. No, 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 that's not. Rabbi said it's not good. It's not okay. You have, to, you have to give a woman your money, not money that right. you stole. You can't give someone else. And even her money, her money that she, it's up to her to forgive, she's allowed to forgive you. She says, listen, I love you, it's okay, I forgive you. You don't have to pay me back the theft. Forgive for what? Rabbi? For stealing. You can keep the money, keep the money. You don't have to pay it back. She has a right. She's the owner. It's her money. She can do whatever she wants your money. So she can tell the Ghanif, keep it. I forgive you. Keep the money. You don't have to give it back to her. So it seems this is what happened here. He gave her back the money that he stole. He says, I'm giving you back the money because I want to marry you with this money. And yes. she agrees. So does that mean that she says, you know, I forgive you for stealing the money. It's yours and I accept it now. You're giving me your money and I accept the marriage. So the Braises seems to be saying it's okay. It's a valid Kiddushin. Abba Rabbi Yechner say, no, it's not good. She's just taking her money back. You know, she, she, I'm going to marry a lowlife who stole money from me and has the chutzpah to give me back my money. And say, He's such a cheapskate. He's giving me back my money that he stole me, my ring that he stole from me and he's giving it to me and wants to marry me with it. The proper way. At the end of the Braises, he says, or... He says, if someone stole, he mekadesh, mekadesh at Aisha, he betrothes the woman by steal, by with gazel things that he stole from her, uh, or, or for sale, yeah, or 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 or, 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 or slyly, stealthily, he stole from her. 
the man, the would-be husband, the man steals and he gives it to the wife, the woman he stole it from. He says, please be gone. Or he says, or he grabbed a, a, a dollar from her hand and then he gave it back to her and he says, please marry me with this dollar that he stole from her. So that means that the first three cases are talking about he stole it from other people. Today, she begins with Alma skin. The mother says, no, Perusha come and He's explaining it. He's saying that this whole question, this whole idea that you could marry a woman with money that was stolen, obviously not money that I stole from someone else. If I stole money from someone else and I, I give it to the woman and say, well, you marry me with it, it's not yours to marry, it's not yours to give. You don't own this money. You stole the money. You have no right to give it to anyone. You have to return it to the owner. Right, but, but, but if the only money, question is money. her money. Since she has the power to forgive, so maybe right. in, her, in her head, maybe... She's okay with she's it. She's okay. She yeah. says, you know what? I love you so much. You're offering to marry me. I don't it's care. my money to marry me, right? I don't He's care. He's a bomb. He, he lies. He this is from our mission. Your mother asks, we're in side B. Our mission says that if a man takes a basket that belongs to five women, they own a field, they own a basket, he comes and picks figs from their field, fills up the basket, gives it to them, and he says, I'm marrying you, will you marry me with this basket full of figs? It has a value, it's worth money. You don't have to give a ring, anything worth money that I'm giving you. So the Mishnah says that because it's, it's a sabbatical year, Shaviyat, Shemitah, sabbatical year, so it's ownerless, the Torah allows anyone to walk into the field and take the fruits. Yes. So therefore, you have a right to pick their figs, even though it's their field, because it's ownerless, it's Shemitah. Shemitah. So therefore, now when you pick it, it becomes yours. And so now you're giving them something of value that belongs to you. If it was any of the other six years of the sabbatical cycle, the Shemitah, the first six years, then you would be a thief. You're going into their field, you're picking their fruits, and then you're giving it to them. Here, I'm giving you back the fruits that I stole. Will, will you marry me with these fruits? And of course you can't, because it's stolen it's stolen fruit. It doesn't belong to you. You're just returning their item that belongs to them. The figs belong to them. It's their field. So you see that even though you're returning to the owner their money, it's not even a question that it's not a good kiddush. In her mind, she agrees, she accepts it because you, you, she wants her money back. You give me back my figs that you stole. That's all. I'm going to marry you. A bum, a lowlife who has the chutzpah to steal. First of all, a ganif. Do I want to marry a ganif? And a Ghanif was the chutzpah to steal and come back and say, I'm marrying you <laughs> with your money that I stole from you. I mean, it's like... A... So this Mishnah contradicts the Braise. The Gemara says, like Kasha, it's not a contradiction. Oh, that's the Gemara answer. Depend. In other words, if they were engaged before, the husband asked before, the man asked the woman, you want to marry me? And she agreed. Then he steals, he doesn't have money to give her, so he steals, <laughs> and he gives it back to her, and she still agrees. So since he already spoke about marriage, it means he's accepting it for marriage. In other words, I forgive you for stealing, I love you, I know you don't have a penny to your name, so you, you did what you had to, you stole from me, I forgive you the money, now it's yours, and you're giving it back to me, fine, we're married. But in the mission we're talking about, he comes to five women, he never spoke to them before. There was no engagement, there was no discussion of marriage. He steals money, he steals their figs, fills up the, their basket with their figs, 
And then he comes and he says, oh, you want your figs back and you will you marry me? And they say, yeah, of course, you know what they mean. Give me back my figs, you bum, you lowlife. I don't want to see your face ever again. Of course they don't agree to the marriage. Two incidences that actually happened. There was a woman. She was washing her feet in a, in a, in a basin full of water. A person came. He stole money from his friend and he gave it to the woman. Do you agree to marry me? To become Kiddushin? Betrothed to me? With this money? So this person who he stole from came before Rava and he says, is it a, is it a valid Kiddushin? He married her with money that he stole. Never doesn't belong to him. So Amar Sarava said, Leslie the No one accepts the opinion of Rab Shimon. It's a solo opinion. Rab Shimon holds that the moment something is stolen from you, a person gives up hope of ever ever ever, ever getting it back. So according to Rab Shimon, it would be a good marriage. Why? Because you have a combination of two elements here. Firstly, the moment the person stole the money from his friend, his friend gave up hope of ever finding it, he has an obligation to return the, the stolen money to his friend. But the moment he gives it to the woman, so now it transfers property. So she acquires it legitimately, because she acquired it after the owner gave up hope. She never stole. Someone gave it to her, legitimately. So it's really hers. So he is really giving her something that now belongs to her legally. See, he's a ganif, he's a bum, he's a lowlife. Him, it's not his. It's not his, he has to return it. But since the owner gave up hope, and now he's giving it to her and she acquires it, so he's giving her something of value. So he's, therefore, it's a, it's a valid kiddushin, it's a good kiddushin, it's a legal kiddushin. She's married to Yeah, brilliant. The owner giving up hope. The stole it. How in the world am I going to find it? Someone snuck into my house and stole. I don't know who the ganif is. There was no cameras in those days. You, had, you have no idea. So, how, so you give up, I give up. I'm never going to find it. I'm never going to find it. Okay. Another incident. Oh, Adisa. He was an artist. An artist is a sharecropper. He works the field. You give him your field. He works the field. And he gets a percentage. 30%, 40%, 50 whatever you make up. So he has a motivation. He has a motivation to work the field. Because he gets a percentage. If he's lazy, 30% of nothing is nothing. He works very hard. He's going to get 30% something. So you're the principal. You're giving him the field. He can't afford to own a field. But he has hard work. He's a hard worker. So you both benefit. You both profit. You're going to get 70% of the profit. And he'll get 30% of the profit. Or 40 Whatever you make up with him. He works the field. So the artist takes 50% of the crop. Share crop. He does all the work. You're giving me the field. 50-50. I'll get 50% of the yield. You'll get the other 50. Right? So it's a nice arrangement. The Kaddish b'moiza de shampoo. He so, took, he filled his hand with the, the He took his neighbor's heads. coins. And we're on the one where he... Uh, no, no, from this field. From this field. The field that he works. The artist, the sharecropper. Oh, so he took... To yeah, oh, yeah, the sharecropper. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, he, he, he filled, he filled with, the, with the heads of, of onions. He filled his hand, a handful, a handful of, of onions, onions from the field. In the field. Right. Yeah, and he and he told the woman, "Will you betroth me? You want to marry me? I'm giving you these onions." 
He never asked permission from the owner of the field. He's only 50%. Half of the onion is his, half of the onion belongs to the owner of the field. Also, come the the so they came to Rava. Amal Rava, man achla, who, who forgave you the other 50%? In other words, you divided it without his permission. So therefore, you stole it. So the woman is not betrothed. You, you don't own this whole... You took a handful of uh, onions. You get half of the onion. The other half doesn't belong to you. Did he have asked permission? Wait, wait. What if they had a, an arrangement? Every other onion was the show. He qualifies. It was only in this case because the onions... Because no one knows how big the onions will grow. So you can't make any arrangements before they actually finish growing. Then you'll see, and then we can evaluate. You take this, I take that. Avalkisha. But if if it was a, a bundle of onions, which already we know the we know how, how much it is. Mati he can say the the sharecropper can say to the owner of the field, I'm not shakli kisha, I take one bundle, you take another bundle. Because it's the same. With the onions, I can't say, I'll take these onions, you keep these onions. Maybe these onions are small onions, and you right. took all the big onions. Well, you, get a, you get the striped onions, I get like right. apples. You know. But kisha, kikisha, if it's the same, so I take 50, you take 50. I don't have to slice every onion in half. I'll take one bundle, you take another bundle. That's a normal arrangement. But in the case of, of, of Moisa, we don't know. I, I, this onion could be gigantic, this onion could be tiny, so you can't. Who, how, who decided you get the nice one onions and I get the small onions? Therefore, since he had no permission to divide it without the permission of the owner, without you both agreeing, therefore he had no right to take the onions, to give her the onions, so you stole it. So you, she's not, uh, she's not Mekudeshet. She's not betrothed, because you betrothed her with, with a, a, something of value that doesn't belong to you. Another incident. Ahi Sarsia. Who was a, a person who, a beer, who made beer. He would take uh, uh, dates... He would take the dates from the owner and he would do the work, turn it into beer and they would divide the, the, the profit 50-50. The Kaddish b'prumah the shikhr. So he took, he took the leftovers of the dates and he gave it to the woman. It has value in the marketplace. It's worth something and he gave it to her and he says, well, you betrothed me, Mukudesh it with this. She agreed. Also, the owner of the beer came and saw him taking the leftovers and being Makadish, a woman. If you're ready, betrothing her, why don't you take the better part? Why are you giving her the spoils, the leftovers? Why don't you give her from, 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 from a better date? He took a date that they used to make beer many times. It was used over, it was already squeezed out totally. He says, why don't you take from a date that was only used once? I, I don't know how they make beer, but probably they use the same date till they squeeze out everything out, they get everything out. So why are you using a date that was already so squeezed out that there's no left, nothing left? There's no taste left in it of dates. Why don't you take a, a good date? In other words, he was saying, well, not only wasn't he upset, he was upset. Why are, you, why are you taking a cheap? You should have given her. You're, you're betrothing her. her. Like, this yeah. is where you make a first impression on your wife. You're giving her the junk. Give her something, something nice. Asla Kamidrava came before Rava. Is it a good Kiddushan or not? 
Amar, the Rabbi says, Lo yomru, klechetzel yafes, elolinyen, trumabulvah. He says, When do we say that if someone does something without permission, for example, you have an obligation to give truma to the koyen. Yes. You grow, you have to take one of 50, one of 60, one of 40, or one fortieth, one fiftieth, and give it to the koyen. Let's say you went into your friend's field without permission, and you did it for him. <laughs> you took truma and gave it to the koyen. You separated truma. It's not your field. No one, you, how do you have a right? So, so we say in the Mishnah that if, when the, when the owner of the field comes home and he finds out what you've done, Instead of being upset, he says, why did he give the Koyan this cheaper fruit? Why don't he give him the best? So he's expressing that he's happy with what you did. Thank you. But you should have done even better. So then, then it turns out that his truma is okay. Because he's, a, he's agreeing with his actions. He's saying, I'm happy that you did it. So you acted as my agent. So you had a right. You had the power, you had the legal power to do the truma, to separate the truma, to make it sacred for me. You're like acting like my agent. So Rav says, only in that case do we say that if a person says, you should have gone to the better ones, which is expressing his pleasure. I'm, pl- I'm happy with what you did. Then we say that it becomes like, like, like it shows that you, retroactively you acted as his agent. And therefore what you did was legitimate and valid and it's kosher and, and it's a good truma. But in our case, it's very nice that he's happy. But at the time, you took it without permission. So you stole. You stole his dates. He had no right. You get 50% of, of the beer. Not 50% of the dates, even the leftover dates. It's not yours. So you took it without permission. So therefore, she's not betrothed. It's not, she's not Mukudeshit. That, that's what Rav says. The Tani, we learned the Baraisa. Kate said Amru. How did we say Amru? The rabbis say, Toyrim, Shalomidas. If someone takes truma without your friend's knowledge that it's legitimate, it's a valid truma, it becomes sacred, even though it's not your field, it's not your fruits. How, how, who gives you the right to take these fruits and make it holy? Give it to the koyim. In the case, when did they say it's valid, it's legitimate? He went into your friend's field and you, you harvested and you, and you took truma without permission. If you think your friend is upset at you, then it's not truma. You have no right to take fruits that don't belong to you and make it sacred. But in love, if your friend, if your friend is not upset at you, then it turns out that you acted as his agent. And you had the power, legitimate power, to take the truma, separate it, and make it truma. Take the fruits. How do I know if my friend is happy or not? The owner comes home from work. And he sees that he, he separated the truma. And he says to him, Ah, you should have taken, you should have given the koyan nicer fruits. You should have separated the nicer bunch of fruits and given it to the koyan. If it turns out that there are nicer fruits than the ones he separated, that means he's being real. He's saying it for real. You should have, why did you give the koyan? Why are you so cheap? My truma, I want it to be the best. Give the koyan the best and the nicest. Then truma truma. That means he's revealing his mind, yeah, that, that he's happy with what you did. So it means retroactively you are acting as his agent. You had a right to separate the fruits. Vim love. But if he did take the best fruits, there weren't nicer fruits, 
So then he's laughing at him. He's like, he's like joking with him. He's like telling him, oh, very nice of you, very generous. You couldn't find any nicer fruits. You couldn't find any nice, you have to give him the nicest fruits. Ain't to must do it. it means he's saying, I'm not happy. Who gave you permission? Who asked you, who asked your opinion? I wouldn't give the coin the nicest fruit. I'll give him something else. No, so who gave you permission? You're coming into my field. You're picking the best and the nicest. And you're giving it the coin that I ask you. Is it your field? Is it your fruits? You have permission to do this. So that means he's upset. He's like being sarcastic. You couldn't find anything nicer to give. Very generous of you. You know, with someone else's fruit, you're very generous. Very nice. So then it turns out he's a ganif. You have no right to go into your friend's field and pick his fruits. So you have no power to make a truma. You have no power to sanctify these fruits. Right. The bailiff, though, when the owner comes back into the field, comes into the field, he collects and picks more. He adds. Doesn't matter if they're nicer fruits or not. You see that he's, he's, he's picking and he's adding fruits to the koyan. That means he's happy with what you did. But he ain't gonna mix them if the one is considered double. That's for sure. Abel over here, here, he's just being embarrassed. He's upset that he stole his, his dates. Even though the cheap dates, the dates that were already all squeezed out and used yeah. many times for the beer. But still, it's like, uh, who gave you a right? It's not yours. You're betrothing a woman with my money without even asking me. <laughs> So he's just saying it. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to shame him. So he says, "Oh, you should have given him nicer fruits." But he, in his mind, he's very upset at it. Therefore, she's not Makudish, She's not betrothed. It's um, because he stole it. Okay, one last piece. The next Mishnah. The Mishnah says, "Hamakadish bechelkoi a koyin who betrothes a woman kiddushin." with the pieces of the carbon, the pieces of the sacrifice that are given to the koyan. So he takes this piece and he gives it, gives it to her. It doesn't matter if it's kachik kachim. Let's say it's a piece of meat from a sin offering, chatas, or from an ashram, a guilt offering, which the koyan has to eat in the courtyard. Only the male koyan is allowed to eat from it. Or bein kachim kalim, if it was from a lighter sacrifice, like peace offering, a shlamim, a thanksgiving offering, a toida, which you can eat anywhere in Yerushalayim. And the women could also eat. The women of the Koyinim are also allowed to eat. Eina Mukadash says, either way, the woman is not, it's not a Kiddushan. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. You're eating from Hashem's table. The Koyin is sitting at Hashem's table. Hashem is serving you. It's Kachim, it's holy. It's not yours. You don't own it. It's not mine. The whole point is, it's Hashem's and Hashem is feeding you. You're sitting at the royal table. And Hashem is feeding you a feast, a banquet. But it's, it's the king's food. It's Hashem's food. It's not your food. So you don't own it. You can't, to, in order to do a Kiddushin, you have to give her something of value that belongs to you. I'm giving it to the, the woman. Here, I'm, it has no value. It's not yours. That's me. You said the temple treasury, right? Now, what if the Miser? What if the Miser Shani? Miser Shani, after... Would you have a field? First, the Bikurim, the first fruit you have to bring to your Shalayim. Right. First, then the first thing you give, you give the Koyan, a 40th, a 50th, a 60th, right. depends, generous, or stingy, or average. Then you have to take 10% and give it to the Levi. Then what's left over, you have to take another 10%, and the first and the second year, and the th- uh, fourth and fifth year, you have to take up to your Shalayim. You have to eat it in your Shalayim, in the walls of your Shalayim. Called Maiser Sheni, the second type. 
third year. In the sixth year, you give it to the poor person. Yeah, you give it to the poor only. people. Maizer only. You give 10%, you give it to the poor people. So Maizer Shani. Now, Maizer Shani, in a way, is it sacred or is it not sacred? You have to eat it in Yerushalayim. You can't eat it while you're impure. You know, you can't eat it if, you're, if someone dies in your family. Um, you have to use it for food. You can't just use it for anything else, only to eat. You to, you if you have a small it, family, you a long way to Mishlein, yeah, you but you have to take that take money, money and, and use it, buy food for it, and yeah. and, f- and feed yeah. the Levium, feed the poor, the widows, yeah. the, the yeah. you know, include everyone. But you have to use the money, spend the money for food in Yerushalayim. Right. So what if he takes his money and he gives it to her and he says, Mukudeshit, are you betrothed to me with this money? Really? I just want to ask. Yes. So that mayor says, Maybe he didn't know it was, it was the second tithing. He thought it was his fruits. A mistake he gave her, the woman, fruits that were Maizu Shani. They had to be eaten in Yerushalayim. Amazing. He knew they were Maizu Shani. And he gave it intentionally. He takes these fruits and gives it to the woman. He says, I'm giving you something of value. These fruits that have a value, will you betroth me because of this? It's not a valid condition. Why? The mayor holds that again, it doesn't belong to you. It's sacred money. It's sacred fruits. It belongs to Hashem. All you have is permission to eat it in Hashem's, in, the, in, the, in Yerushalayim, in Hashem's capital. But it doesn't belong to you. It's not yours to give away to the woman. It's only yours to eat in Yerushalayim. What's the penalty? Clashes? Uh, the misuse of no, 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 no. Rabbi Yudai, Rabbi Yudai says, If it was unintentional, then it's not a valid condition because it's a mistake. He thought he's giving her his own fruits. Right. It turns out it was a mistake. He gave her fruits, Maishasheni, the second tithing fruits that he has to take up the Yerushalayim. But Bemezer, if he knew intentionally, he knew it was Maishasheni money, and he gave it to her. Kiddush, it's no problem because the money does belong to you. Yes, there are restrictions. You have to eat it in purity. You have to eat it in, in, in Yerushalayim, but it's your fruits. The Torah places restrictions, but it's your fruit. You own it. So I give it to the woman. I'm giving her something of value that belongs to me, and she is receiving something of value. She has to eat in Yerushalayim, but she's receiving something of value. And therefore, it's a good kiddush. Time out. This kind of throws. The saying: It's not stealing anything. It's not temple treasury. It's okay. your money. It's your fruits. The Torah right. places so- restrictions. How you have to eat it? Okay. So the Gemara says, Let's say our Mishnah, who says that even light sacrifices, like peace offerings, Thanksgiving offerings, which the Koyan could eat anywhere in Yerushalayim, and the, the wives could eat it, and the children, and their slaves, and servants, and maids. And nevertheless, the Mishnah says, you can't betroth a woman with it. You can't give her a Kiddushan with it, because it belongs to Hashem. It's not yours. You can or you can't? You cannot. You can't. With, with, with sacrifices. Yes. Piece, a portion of the sacrifice that you give to the Koyan. So this this disagrees with the opinion of Rabbi Yisaglili. Like Rabbi Yisaglili. Tani will learn the Braise. Rabbi Yisaglili says, So he says, Why does it say twice? That, that if... if um, that... Talking about a case, if 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 someone you someone is holding money for you, and you ask him for the money, please give me the money. He's watching something for you, or he owes you money. Is one, and you deny it. You swear, I don't. You, I'm sorry, I don't owe you anything. You never gave me anything. I'm I'm not holding anything of yours. I don't know what you're talking about. He lies. 
Then he comes clean. He admits that he lied. He swore falsely. So not only does he have to give back the money that he had, he has to add 25%. Right? So if it's $100, he has to add, uh, he has to give him back $125, which, uh, which is like a, f- uh, a fifth. You know, if he had a 25, is now five, 25th, 25. And you have to bring a carbon, a guilt offer. For, steal, for stealing and for swearing falsely in Hashem's name. So the Torah says, mal b'ashem. You, 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 you uh, betrayed Hashem. But it says twice. Mal. You betrayed, betrayed. Why does it say twice you betrayed? The Gabbis comes to add Kachim Kalim. That if, that if it's, if it's meat, let's say you were holding meat from a, from a peace offering or, or a Thanksgiving offering. Okay? And the Koyan gave you to watch his meat. And you lied. You swore. I, you never gave me anything. And then you admit that you swore. So he says, even in this case, you also have the same penalty. You have to pay back the Koyan. Uh, you have to add 25% on top. On top, uh, 25% of the principal on top. And you have to, you have to bring a guilt offering. Because it says that it's coming to teach us even though the Torah says that you lie to your friend here I lied about sacred meat it's a sac- sacrificial meat it's sacred it's not your friend's meat it belongs to Hashem so he's coming to teach me it's coming to teach me that the Koyen owns the meat the meat the parts of the sacrifice of the peace offering and the Thanksgiving offering that the Koyin could eat anywhere in Yerushalayim that his wife could eat, his children could eat it becomes like his he owns it now and therefore if, you didn't, if he gave it to you to watch and you deny it and you swear falsely it's like you denied your friend so basically hold, he makes a distinction between sacrificial meat that's holy of holies it's like a, a guilt offering a sin offering which you're only allowed to eat inside the temple courtyard only the male and you have to stand when you eat it. You know, it's like very sacred, very special. That meat is you're sitting on the king's banquet. It's not yours. You're eating from the king. But the other meat, the part, portions of the animal that you're allowed to eat anywhere in Yerushalayim, that belongs to the Koyan. We give it to the Koyan. Hashem says he gives it to you, but now it belongs to you. So according to this, if a Koyan takes that meat and gives it to a woman and say, I'm marrying you, Kiddushin, with this thing of value that belongs to me, I'm giving it to you. It would be a valid condition. It would be a legitimate condition. I'm giving you something that belongs to me. So our Mishnah argues Rabbi Yisrael. So your mother says, no. Even Rabbi Yisrael would agree with our Mishnah. That it's not a good condition. Why? He only holds, he only holds if the animal is alive. If the animal is alive, let's say you, you, you took an animal and you designated it as a sacrifice. You designated this animal as a peace offering. I'm going to bring this animal to Hashem as a carbon in the Beit HaMikdash, as a thanksgiving offering. Once you designate it, it becomes holy, it becomes sacred. You can touch it, you can use it, you can sell it, it's sacred. And then if someone lies, you give it to someone to watch and he lies and swears that he never gave me this animal to watch. Then you would have to swear. And then you would have to pay back. 
add the pay back the principal, add 25% and, and add and, and, and bring a guilt over. But here we're talking about the meat that the Koyan gets. The animal's already slaughtered. The animal's already slaughtered. Even Abiyasa Aglili would agree that I'm sitting at the royal table, the royal banquet. I'm sitting at Hashem's table. It doesn't belong to the Koyan. Those pieces of meat, Hashem is giving it to me. It doesn't belong to me. I can't give it to a woman. The Koyan can't give it to a woman and say, marry me with it. You can also deduct it from the Mishnah because it says Bechel Koi. It doesn't say Ben Kotchi Kotchi Ben Kotchi Kalam like Kiddush. It doesn't say in general. You can't take an animal that's been designated for as a sacrifice in the temple and give it to a woman and sanctify and, and betroth her with it. It doesn't say that. We're talking about the meat that the Koyan eats from the sacrifice. So, he makes, so therefore there's no distinction, there's no difference. The meat the Koyan eats from the sin offering or the guilt offering or the meat that the Koyan is given from the peace offering or from, uh, or from the Thanksgiving offering. The rabbis learn, after the mayor passed away, Buddha said to his students, a mayor's students, I don't want them to join my yeshiva. Why? Because they're, they're going to make my life miserable. They don't want to learn. They come, they come to, the, to, the, to argue with me, to, to disprove me. So he refused to let them in. But Dachak Sumchus, the greatest student, the Rabbi Meir, his name was Sumchus, he smuggled his way in. He got into Rabbi Huda's academy, Yeshiva. Even though Rabbi Huda was not happy, he, he wasn't interested. He forced his way in. So Sumcha said to Rabbi Huda and to his students, This is what Rabbi Meir taught me. A koyin, I'm a Kaddish Bechelkoy. If a koyin takes his portion of the meat, of the sacred meat, of the holy sacrifice that was offered to Hashem and the blood was sprinkled, and then you, you take certain portions of meat and you give it to the koyin. So he says, uh, A koyin who took this portion of meat and gave it to a woman and says, You are betrothed in me. It's not, it's not a good betrothal because again it doesn't belong to him the koyin is given permission to eat he's sitting he's a guest a koyin is a guest at the royal table at Hashem's table it doesn't belong to you it's not yours to give cause Rabbi Yudalim really get angry didn't I tell you I told you don't let the mayor students into, into my academy to my yeshiva they don't come to learn Torah they come to make trouble because how can you say this? How could you say that the, the husband is giving, that the man who wants to be a husband is giving, the koyin is giving this piece of meat to the woman? Where the, the piece of meat can't leave the courtyard, in the temple. Women are not allowed in there. How in the, how in the world does he, give her, does he give her this? So surely it must be talking about a whole animal, a living animal. An animal that was designated to be a sin offering. An animal that was designated to be a guilt offering. An animal that was designated to be a peace offering. Thanksgiving offering. Rabbi Yaisi says, if I'm quiet, I don't answer Rabbi Yudha's question. Rabbi Yudha calls. Rabbi Yudha passed away. Rabbi Yudha is angry. Rabbi Yaisi is shot, Rabbi Yaisi is quiet. There's no one to speak up. What's going to be with Torah? So I have, I have no, I have no, I must speak up. 
So he answered, he asked, he answered I this question. A man can't receive a kedushin for his young daughter. Maybe the other koyin is a fa- the father. He's in the courtyard. And he's giving it to the father. He says, you have a daughter. I want to marry your daughter. You get the kedushin. So what's the problem? It's a deal. Yes, it's a deal. A woman can make an agent. She appoints another koyin to be an agent to receive the kedushin for her. I can make an agent. I don't have to get it in my hands. She could be outside. She appoints another koyin. Please receive the kedushin for me. And then I'm married. What if What if she went in without permission? She had no right to go in. But just like Sumchus snuck his way in into the academy of Rabbi Uda, she snuck away in and he gave it to her. So yes, she did something wrong by going in, but the bottom line is he gave her the piece of meat. Is she married or not married? We have to know that. So we have an argument. Rabbi Uda says she is betrothed. accepted these answers of Rabbi Yaisi. He said, okay, it's possible. And what happens if she did receive the Kiddushan? Rabbi Yaisi says, she is Mekudosh. Rabbi Yaisi says, no, she's not Mekudosh. They both learned from the same verse in the Torah. It says, Hashem says, this is the leftover from the fire, whatever is burnt on the Mizbeach, and then the leftover, you, the Koinim, get to eat. You have to eat. Rabbi Huda Sovar Lecha. Lecha is extra. Meaning Lecha means it belongs to you. Hashem is telling you, I'm giving it to you. You're not sitting guest in my table. I'm giving it to you. You can do whatever you want with it. You have to eat it in the, in the, in the courtyard, in the base of Migdash. But it belongs to you now. So therefore, you could, you could betroth the woman with it. It belongs to you, and you're giving her something of value. Whatever you need. Rabbi Yaisi says, no. Hashem says, I'm giving you from the fire. Just like fire. Just like fire is only to eat. The altar, the mezbeach, eats the food, consumes the food. So I'm only giving it to you to consume, to eat, nothing else. You're a guest at my table. I'm only giving you to eat, not to do whatever you want, not to use it as a kiddushin, as something of value to give to the wife. To be continued. Everyone have a 